Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeist, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hey guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Hope you guys have had a great week. Uh, We had a little respite from the cold up here in Cleveland. We had one day where it got over 40, 45 degrees, and now it's back into the low teens, which is also known as, oh my freaking God, why am I living in a place where the air hurts my face? I just can't stand it. I want to be back south so much. But at any rate, we got a few stories for you guys this week. Hope that you're ready for them. Go ahead and grab your coffee, grab a comfy chair, sit back, and have a listen. Our first story of the evening comes from Ray, and he gave it the title, Beyond Haunted. Okay, Ray, let's see what you sent us. I first noticed the world of the paranormal a year before I went to Arkansas. We lived in a trailer we had rented from my dad's boss. Conveniently enough, his job was right across the road from our trailer. It was a small truck driving business two friends owned. My dad worked for them, delivering for all kinds of companies in Houston. We first noticed something was wrong with the trailer a week after we had moved in. My parents were startled awake by me screaming and hitting the door trying to get in. I was so scared I knocked holes in the door and I was only nine. I told them I had seen big red eyes in my closet. The thought that someone had broken into the house and was killing me by the way I screamed crossed my parents' mind. My dad made me and my mom stay in the back while he got his gun and checked out the house. No broken windows, everything was locked, and no one was in the house except for us. They asked me again what exactly it was that I saw in my room. I told them once again that it opened up and two red eyes appeared. I told them that they looked at me and it laughed at me. Now when I say laugh, it was not like anything a human could make with just normal vocal cords. That's when my dad told me to go to sleep because I was just dreaming. I waited a week and it happened the same way again. My parents were getting upset a little by now. They didn't know if they should punish me for acting bad or if maybe I did something. Some of my friends came over one weekend to stay. Saturday night, while we were all in the living room, it sounded like someone was in the room messing around. We didn't hear any windows break or open. Besides, what criminal cuts lights on in a room when people are still up? We heard the closet door in there open and then footsteps. Then the light came on. Silence fell in the room and we were all scared stiff waiting for whatever it was to open the door. We couldn't move. We were so scared of it. We saw the doorknob turn and we ran to my parents crying and screaming. That's when my dad started asking anyone who had stayed there before us about this place. One guy said that he had bought it before my dad's boss got it. The guy told my dad that the same thing had happened to him. His family got it from some guy for really cheap for a trailer that nice and that big. No catch to it was ever told, but there was one, a big 
dark one. The guy found out from someone who knew about a family that had gotten shot to death in the trailer. The way they described the shooting, it was extremely graphic and brutal. It was to the point that if they wouldn't have had relatives that they knew that lived there, no one would have been able to identify them. The relatives heard one of the cops tell them that the husband didn't die instantly. He managed to survive until the cops got there because he saw the killers who did it. The man told the police who did it, but they never found anyone. The guy died in the yard, but before he did, he plotted revenge on the people who shot him. He said that if he had to come back from hell, he would get the bastards who did this. Then he shut his eyes and died. The trailer had to be gutted and remodeled from the frame on the end of the house that I kept seeing the red-eyed thing. It used to be one large living room area, but when the two kids and wife got shot, that's where they were at. Anyways, this went on consistently to the guy's family, and after three weeks, he said he had gotten his family out. He said, man, be careful in there with your family. My dad said, I ain't worried about no ghost, if that's what you're saying. He said, yeah, I thought the same thing, but I was wrong. My dad said, man... Ghosts can't hurt you, and the guy said, no, it won't, but the other thing in there can. By that time, my dad had gotten onto another subject, and he blew the whole ghost thing out of his mind. It came to a point my dad had to make long overnight runs to Louisiana. During this time, once every night, something would walk down the hall. My mom would see something dark in the hall out of the corner of her eye. She would check everything, and it was always locked, but when she would go back into the living room, where she just came from, the front door and the bedroom would be unlocked and wide open. These kind of extreme things happened every night, but my dad never saw anything except hazes and shadows in the middle of the night. He never had it do something as big as what it did to the others that came over. His boss asked if something funny was happening to him yet, and my dad said, Man, you are all on that kick, ain't you? He told my dad it was no kick and he should listen to them. We moved later on, but not because of the hauntings, mainly because of money issues. We now live in Louisiana, and I have seen things worse here, but not in my house, and I really don't care that much anymore. I'm older, and if the other side wants me as bad as they have told me before, then why can't they get me? I heard the trailer tormented others who lived there worse. Among the people were two women who both claimed that they were actually raped by something that was not a ghost in the same room that I saw the eyes. The trailer, by the way, was later destroyed in a flood, and nobody bothered to rebuild it. Wow, Ray, that was an awesome story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know a lot of people tend to think of, when you think of haunted houses, you think of the Adams Family or the Munsters or some dilapidated house or old rundown farmhouse or something like that. But in actuality, of course, any kind of home can be a haunted house, including, obviously, a trailer. I've seen more than one instance where a trailer has been haunted and have in fact lived in one myself. So I can speak from experience that it doesn't really matter what kind of house it is, haunted is haunted. (laughs) Again, Ray, thanks a lot for sharing your story with us. Our next story is titled Lake House Ghost and it comes to us from a listener named Brandy. Okay, Brandy, let's see what you have sent us. While growing up, my best friend lived just a few houses up from me and right on the lake. 
Once we were all grown and had our own families, we kind of went our separate ways. I was married, I had a little girl that was two years old, and I was pregnant with my little boy. My friend's parents had moved out of state and wanted to rent their house. I saw this to be a great opportunity to move closer to my mom, who still lived just down the road. We moved in, everything was fine with the house, and I was never scared to be there alone. My husband worked nights, and it never bothered me to be home. We lived there for about seven months without any weird stuff happening. One day, I got a letter in the mail. It was from my friend's mom, who was now our landlord, whose name was Sherry. She was letting us know that she had been diagnosed with cancer and she wasn't doing too well. Three weeks later, she suddenly died. Now the story begins. I had just had my son. I was still a bit uncomfortable wearing tighter-fitting clothes and was trying to decide on what to wear to Sherry's funeral. I was in the bathroom getting ready to leave and all of a sudden I felt as if someone was standing right beside me. So much so that I was afraid that if I looked in the mirror, I would see her standing beside me. I was so scared and I knew it was Sherry. I just had a feeling deep inside of me that it was her. I went to her funeral and kept thinking, she is not here in this church. She's at my house, which was once her home. When I got home that evening, the weird stuff started happening. She would uncover my feet when I was in bed. She actually did that a lot. I would be lying there trying to go to sleep and feel the covers come off of my feet. One night, my husband was home. He had the night off from work and we had gone to bed early. We were lying there, still awake, and a big bright red and a big bright blue ball of light were suddenly bouncing furiously around the room. It was so bad we thought a police car was maybe outside of our window, but then we realized that was a crazy thought because we had our bedroom windows blacked out so that my husband could sleep during the day. It was the strangest and most unexplainable thing I had ever witnessed. We would ask her to leave us alone on a daily basis. It was something every day. You could hear her walking around. The floors would squeak throughout the house as she moved. I was constantly terrified. After probably six months of this happening, I was in the kitchen one night preparing supper. I had set a fork down on the countertop and turned to wash my hands in the kitchen sink. When I turned, I saw the fork spin around on the counter. I dried my hands and went downstairs to the den and cried. I was so tired of weird stuff happening that I just couldn't handle it anymore. I went down and I was telling my husband about the fork. He calmed me down and I knew I needed to go back up there to the kitchen to finish cooking. As I was walking up the stairs, I was looking ahead into the kitchen. The fork slid off the countertop and landed on the floor, four feet away from where it started. I was completely freaked out. I immediately started packing our stuff, and we left two days later. I will never go back to that house again. After I moved out, I tried to tell my friend, Sherry's son, what I had experienced in the lake house. Of course he got mad at me as if I were lying. I knew it would be a weird thing for him to hear about, but I felt compelled to tell him. Soon after we moved out, Sherry's youngest daughter moved into the house. I still wonder to this day if she has experienced anything like we did when we lived there. Whoa, Brandy, that is a very cool story. 
I appreciate you sending that to us. It sounds like your uh, your friend's mom was not necessarily too happy to have you guys there, or maybe maybe she was fine with you guys being there, but she just wanted to be there too. So uh, I'm curious about that too. Whenever her daughter moved in there, did the things continue? Uh, was she having the same experiences that you guys had? And if so, would she actually tell anybody or would she recognize that as possibly being her mom? It'd be really kind of neat to know. Thanks a lot for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Our last story of the evening comes from Autumn, and she sent it to us, giving it the title of My Horrifying House. Okay, Autumn, let's see what you've got. When I was six years old, I moved from my house in the city to a small trailer next to my dad's friend's house in a small town. It only had one store and a school which held 72 kids, grade pre-K through fifth grade. The house stands now being about 300 years old. I only know of one death in the house, but there is more than one spirit here, I am sure. I spent most of my time in this house even before I moved in with my friends Tiffany and Christine. Every time I was there, I could see people watching me and hear noises in rooms I knew no one was in, but no one else believed me. On occasion, Tiffany would say, Did you hear that? Then she'd say, Oh, it was probably just the wind. My parents and four older siblings all thought that I was crazy, but then about a year later, something terrible happened that would give them reason to believe me. The house owner had died of a brain tumor in my living room by the bathroom door. I remember I had spent that night in the house with his daughter, Tiffany. I was in the kitchen sitting at the counter eating Cheerios. My sister was in the next room playing video games. You could see down a hall into the living room from both rooms. He had died. The man I had known since I was a baby was gone. From this moment, as you would guess, the sightings and noises got worse. Of course, my dad decided to move into the house, knowing I was already terrified by it. When I moved here, it always felt like I was being watched, and it actually still does. I would wake up crying and screaming every night. My parents would always tell me it was my imagination and just to go back to bed, but I knew that it wasn't. I would see people sitting at the kitchen table while I was making a snack. The second I would turn around, they would disappear. In the closet of my room, there was two doors to get into it. One door you could reach from the hallway and one entrance into my actual room. I could sometimes see people standing in there looking at me all night with looks that seemed to pierce through me. They simply wouldn't go away, not at all. I would occasionally see the outline of a person run by the bureau, then run off to my closet. Of course, once again, being afraid of the closet, things only seemed to get worse. The entrance from the room to get to the closet doesn't have a door. It's just a large section of the wall cut out, about the length of a twin-sized bed and my mother thought that it would be a genius idea to move the bed into the closet considering I could see around my room and it was basically a part of my room. My fears got so bad I would run out into the hallway and sleep out there and my parents would wake up with me outside of their door. Before I had that room to myself, I shared it with my sister. We had bunk beds and took turns being on the top bunk. One of my nights I was on the top bunk and I was awakened to something or someone shaking my shoulder as if they were trying to wake me. 
I woke up and looked around and saw, standing at the bunk bed ladder, my great-grandmother who had died when I was about four or five years old. She had never gotten to say goodbye to me, and at the time I was basically too young to even realize that she was gone. She looked down on me and smiled, and she tilted her head to the side. She mouthed the words, hi, and goodbye. I started crying and hid under my blanket, saying, fall back asleep, fall back asleep, over and over. The next day, I told my parents about this experience. I described what she was wearing. It was exactly what she had been buried in. This only made me worse. I was afraid to be in the room for more than five seconds or else I would start screaming and crying. I knew people were there, and I still do, but everyone thought it was my imagination. The spirits started to realize I didn't like them here. They were still here, and I knew it, but they tried to make themselves less noticeable. But then, one night, they all came back, bringing, apparently, a few new friends, and at least a few that I haven't met yet. The first new friend was a lady dressed all in black who stood outside my uncle's door with a black umbrella. She looked as if she was maybe going to a funeral. The second one was just an apparition that was impossible to make out, sometimes black and shadowy, but other times whiter than snow. My siblings started believing me a little bit, and my sister was home alone with her boyfriend, and the dogs were both sitting on the couch next to him. They heard footsteps going back and forth in the upstairs hallway, but no one else was home. My eldest brother also heard these. My older sister was convinced that there was a ghost of a boy between his late teens or early twenties in her closet. He would stand right outside her closet door by the shelf or just stay in the closet and not go anywhere in the room. The most recent thing someone has seen other than me has been a new one. My dad has a bunch of my stuff on a shelf in this room and on the top shelf was a broken guitar, a Chucky doll I bought at Spencer's Gifts and some other random things. At about two in the morning, my father was awakened. He saw a girl standing on a chair playing with the things on the top shelf. The closet door was opening and closing and swinging back and forth. He thought it was just me getting bored and wanting to use some of my stuff, but then he realized it was a little girl in an old-fashioned nightgown with different hair and eyes than me. She eventually just disappeared. There are many, many, many more stories I could get into, but I think I may have already written enough. I have lived in the same house since I was six years old, and to this day, I still believe that the ghosts are here. Every now and then, I even still witness a little ghost phenomenon. Wow, Autumn, that is a wild story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. It sounds like your house is completely chock full of activity. Um, and it might also sound like you might be a little um, a little sensitive that uh, you are able to, when we talk about sensitive, you're able to perceive spirits that maybe other people can't uh, perceive around you, which is kind of a neat thing unless it happens to you all the time, which seems to be happening to you, at which point it becomes not so neat and a lot more annoying and or terrifying. So I don't... Um, I hope that you are doing great and that the activity is starting to calm down a little bit and that you have gotten some peace with it. One thing that does kind of weird me out a little bit and kind of make me have some pauses, you talk about the new 
spirits that are there, which doesn't normally happen in normal circumstances. Uh, one of the spirits that you talked about was kind of disturbing to me, and that was the apparition you said you couldn't really make out, that it was uh, dark and misty, and at other times white, uh, really, I guess really bright, right? You said uh, white as snow. That is not usually a good sign. Most apparitions look pretty consistent from time to time. You're going to see the same thing over and over and over again. And for them to change means that something else might be going on. I know that a lot of negative entities will show up as a dark shadow or mist and that other times they will show up as a blindingly white apparition. They'll show up as almost People have described them almost looking like angels. And if you think about it, that kind of makes sense. If you believe that demons are fallen angels, of course, why would they not look angelic? They're still in that form. So that kind of bothers me a little bit, and I'm hoping that that's not the case. But that was just kind of my first gut reaction. At any rate, I do appreciate you sharing your stories with us. And if you do have time to share other things that have happened in the house, please feel free to. We'd love to hear about it. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Autumn and Brandy and Ray for sending in their stories. You guys are absolute rock stars. And if you would like to hear your story on one of our broadcasts, just check us out on Facebook at True Paranormal, the podcast. Hit that email button or message me button and send us your story. We'll be glad to put it on the air. And also, while you're there, give us a like. Let us know that you're out there. If you have any comments or questions about one of our shows, that's the perfect platform also to put them out there because we like hearing from you guys. We like giving the feedback, and we like getting the feedback. So that's how we all learn and grow. Alternately, if you listen to us on iTunes, be sure to give us a review and a rating if you would. And also subscribe to us there. Every little bit helps us. In future episodes, we're going to be doing a few more of the haunted history haunted locations uh, type of shows and some more of the educational series so i heard that you guys kind of like those and they're actually one of our most popular shows so we're gonna do those a couple more times and just to break things up a little bit so i hope you guys are looking forward to that in the meantime my name is leo rizzuti i'd like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week and be sure to check us out next week on true paranormal the podcast